G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 18 Preview Edition as we uh, lurch towards the final six home and away rounds remaining, the race for the eight, uh, both to make the eight and uh, jockeying for positions within the eight as fierce as it's ever been, and as usual, a uh, cacophony of uh, chaos going on on the news front around all that. And uh, we have uh, a removal of a coach to talk about. Um, that is David Noble at North Melbourne. So plenty going on. As I say, a very good morning to my co-host, Mr. Robert Shaw. How are you, Robert? Good morning, Rowan, and good morning to our... Uh... Podcasters, look, yeah, what a, what an interesting uh, few days, and I think uh, uh, my my preference is obviously to talk about what on the field. So just very quickly, I think we look at uh, six teams vying for the last two spots. So it's going to be an incredibly uh, exciting run into the finals uh, with so much hanging on uh, on a number of games, and uh, there's some rippers this weekend, and of course we're going to touch on the. Uh, on the dismissal of David Noble at North Melbourne. Just on that uh, race for the uh, the last spot or two in the eight, two, the thing that struck me just going through the contenders is how tough a run home so many of them have, um, particularly St Kilda and the Western Bulldogs who face off uh, this week. They have got a shocking run. I think the Bulldogs after this week, the next three games have got uh, Geelong, uh, Fremantle and Melbourne, or that's not the order, but uh, it's it's really tough run. So uh, whoever ends up with that spot in the eight will certainly have earned it, won't they? And they may well, we may well see a scenario because of the effort and emotional expenditure to get into that eight spot. Usually what happens, Ron, they go straight out and get absolutely thumped. You know, that, that that's, a, that's a common theme for these teams that, fall in or limp in or have to fight their backsides off to get in there, they're usually emotionally spent. So while that's seven weeks down the track, it'll be interesting just to jot a note down who does get that last spot and how they go in the elimination final. That is a very good point. Of course, as ever, we are here thanks to our wonderful podcast partners, Palmerbet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. We've got a lot to get through. Let's get stuck into it. On Footyology, Newsfeed. Well, one story dominating, obviously, and that is the uh, departure of David Noble from North Melbourne as coach. Uh, He will be replaced for the final Six games of the home and away season by former North Melbourne small man Lee Adams, who these days is an assistant there. 
Uh, pretty unhappy tenure, you have to say. Less than two seasons, so a season and three quarters, 38 games, uh, just five wins and a draw. Uh, didn't start well last year. Uh, certainly picked up in the back end of 2021 when the Roos managed to win four games on the run home. But this year been almost a total disaster. They did beat West Coast, struggled to beat a very undermanned West Coast in round two. And uh, since then, wow, just a calamity. 14 straight losses, average losing margins of uh, in the order of 10 goals. Uh, much improved performance last weekend, you have to say, against Collingwood, but uh, overrun in the final quarter. And uh, then discussions held between uh, the board and North Melbourne President Sonia Hood and David Noble on Monday and the announcement made on uh, Tuesday at a press conference. We'll talk uh, after about uh, potential replacements, but uh, let's start at the, uh, we'll cut to the chase, Robert. Uh, didn't work out, did it? No, it hasn't. And uh, look, there's so many reasons for that. And I want to stress is um, I, I do have a, a, a vested interest in David Noble. I um, I played against him when he started in um, in Tasmania as an 18-year-old when I was back coaching Clarence. I know the family well. His father was a, a wonderful Tasmanian player. And um, then uh, even though it was a short-lived uh, association at Fitzroy, actually did uh, delist him, at. but that's just par for the course and the role of a coach. So um, I have followed his career closely. Um, and the thing, the remark, not the remarkable, the interesting thing from my perspective is the amount of inconsistency associated with this whole relationship. And we, and I'll just pick, so I'm now reading from the paper and observing and watching games and all that sort of thing. The only consistent thing I can see out of this relationship is the the lack of on-field performance and consistency of uh, the margins of the loss. So I guess in our business, something has to give. Uh, Other things that, Confuse me. Uh, Dave was saying that uh, the players were shattered and in tears, and yet the majority of reports clearly said there was no player support and a falling out with players to the point of some, uh, in inverted commas, Rowan, threatening to um, not sign with the club. And, of course, the what we're... On field, where I've been critical is if you're going to go on this journey, you've got to bring the senior players along with you. So it started with Goldstein on the bench. It started with Zebel in a forward pocket. And um, I'm not sure he embraced the older players in that group and 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 embraced the leadership. Yep, no, look, fair, fair points. Just in terms of that uh, concerns about player futures, there's been speculation about the likes of uh, Ben Mackay and Taron Thomas, those two in particular. We know Thomas has been a very unhappy uh, camper of late. Uh, Inconsistency, I guess. One of the things that uh, I thought was intriguing or puzzling was that this direction to rebuild seemed to be set before he was even... Appointed, you remember, like two seconds after the end of the 2020 season, they cut about, I think it was 11 or 13 players from the senior list in one 
fell swoop, uh, and and yet they've done things like go out and get um, Hugh Greenwood from the Gold Coast, and you know him playing midfield sort of denies midfield minutes to other up and coming young players. So it's a bit of an inconsistency. Yeah, of I agree with that. That's that's a very good observation, and giving away pick nineteen for Coleman Jones and not playing him, uh, these sort of things, and I and I guess. Um, and while, while there was smoke, where there's smoke, there's fire, and um, the apologies about abrasive or even abusive behaviour, that came to a head. And once that happens, Rowan, and then you link that with three uh, staff members, very good workers, very good North people, um, all leaving, that is uh, something you don't see very often. So you put all these sort of things together, you look at the game plan, which... Uh, is our number one job here. What is it? Is it defensive? Is it based on midfield? Is it based on forward pressure? Um, uh, No one's sure. And you were right. Towards the end of the year, you would be reasonably happy if you're a North person to say, hey, another pre-season into these blokes and we could be half a chance to be on the right track. But for whatever reasons that I don't know or you don't know, uh, it did fall apart to the point where Jeff Walsh had been in the job for two weeks and it's no coincidence that an experienced, hard-nosed that has seen everything in football two weeks after Jeff Walsh's appointment that David Noble has tendered his resignation. Yeah, look, it doesn't help either the um, uh, not just instability but uh, constant sort of backdrop of of stuff going on at administrative level. I mean, we've had um, you know reports about Ben Amafio. Is he safe as CEO? You know, Sonia Hood is relatively new to the job of chairperson. You know, so uh, it, it would be a tough job for a, a new incoming coach with a stable uh, administration that have been in those places for ages. Let alone at a club like North Melbourne with people still relatively new in those positions. I mean, I saw the press conference yesterday and Ben Amafio was asked uh, about his position. He said, oh, I don't know, you have to ask Sonia. And she guaranteed his position. But, I mean, that sort of stuff and those questions being asked publicly with those people sitting there present, it doesn't doesn't sort of uh, perpetuate an image of stability and strength, does it? No, and and what we've had, and um, you know what, Brad, under Brad Scott, uh, there was a couple of preliminary finals. There was up and down years and all that sort of thing. But what there was is um, there was an identity I felt and a consistency. But the appointment of um, my my second cousin, um, Reese Reese Shaw, at uh, led to um, some. Uh, obviously instability with his mental well-being and then the appointment of Noble on the back of, a, I guess, what I thought was a very uh, strong recommendation from Paul Ruse as the senior football consultant to, to team up with David and to guide him and to work with him because despite the fact that David says he's a very experienced football coach, I don't think he's coached for, like, I don't know, he had eight years at Adelaide, what, three or four, so let's say 12 years, and he's up against these experienced assistant coaches, campaigners, you know, the likes of Voss that went away, uh, Ratton went away, 
you've got the Kingsleys and these sort of blokes that make it their career. And to jump quickly from a suggested career in administration to the hot spot of coaching, um, well, it hasn't turned out, Rowan, but whether it was the right decision and the combination of Shaw and Noble um, is once again um, open for, for great debate. Well, and I, I think that's that's a really key point, the fact that they've really gone a calculated punt two coaches in a row with Rose Shaw and then Noble. I think that ensures that the next one, they want to be 100% sure they got the right man. Now, they are saying officially they're not ruling any sort of profile of coach out, but I think they, they have to say that because I, I don't think it's necessarily a big pull. Now, we, we'll talk about sort of who comes next, but one thing that's really struck me in all the speculation since is that no one really has a clue. Now, often in these cases, you, you read a lot of commentary um, and people are saying, well, they've got to go for this guy, they've got to go for this guy. I'm, I'm sensing, like everyone really is just guessing. I'm not sure North Melbourne even knows, and that's not even a criticism, but I think they've got a lot of thinking to do and there are various options they can take. Now, the romantic one, obviously, is Alistair Clarkson, having played at North Melbourne. Uh, is North Melbourne a club he wants to coach? Now, he said publicly he wants to coach another premiership. You'd have to say as good as Alistair Clarkson is, the chances of uh, someone being around long enough to do that at North Melbourne would be not remote, but fairly minor. Is he in a space where he needs to take on a, a gamble of that size? I, I would have doubted it. So, you know, he's... It, it, it is, yeah, look, oh, sorry, mate. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely spot on. There's, there's, a, there's a number one contender for me, and you might scoff at it or you might say, oh, that's interesting. I raised this after the Shore situation that North need uh, mentorship, they need empathy, they need... Uh, a passion, aggression, and they need experience. But they went for David Noble, who didn't tick many boxes there, and that's been proven. And I I was strong on putting a really good team around Mark Williams. Mark Williams, okay. Yes, that's a, Mark I, Williams. Yeah, no, I, I thought I actually thought you were going to say Ross Lyon. Uh, Ross would be on the podium uh, because you've got to go that way now. Um, you know, do you go Adam Uze or Kingsley or Carousella or Gene Syracuse? Do you take that punt or do you go for Graham from from West Coast, from Fremantle? Do you go back to Sumich? What what do you do, Rowan? And you've made a great point. Um, who's going to make that decision at North Melbourne? A mafio, not, not a traditional hardcore football person. He's not Brian Cook. Or Walsh, is he? He's not no. Greg Swan. Mm. So, Sonia's in the job, you know. The board director, Anthony Stevens, has a business to run on the Bellarine in real estate. Where are the key, strong, um, experienced campaigners to sit around a table and do these interviews? Yeah, look, it's, it's – I mean, the thing about Ross Lyon, I know there, there was one bit of commentary today suggesting they should go after Ross Lyon. Now, Ross, clearly uh, there's a, a stereotype out there about Ross as a, a hard-driven man and he's the sort of coach you have when you're in contention, not when you're rebuilding. Now, that may or may not be unfair, but I've got to say that sort of colours 
my view of it, because I think back to how the North players reacted to that spray from David Noble, um, are they going to put up with a, a Ross Lyon, you know, banging him over the head every five minutes? Now, people might say, well, that's what they need. They've got to, you know, they've got to not be so entitled. They've got, well, it's okay to say that, but you can't make players into what they're not. And and the, the fact is that younger generations, that sort of approach just doesn't appeal to them. It just alienates them. Okay, so that brings into the question, and I'm not saying there is a – well, there is a link there. There's a very strong link in my next suggestion because Jeff Walsh has showed great support and his recommendation was to reappoint Nathan Buckley. Is there an opportunity there for the experienced Nathan Buckley out of the game, reflecting on the way he coached, um, his standing in the community, his presence um, – I'm assuming a terrific bloke. Um, they all have great knowledge. So I'm, I'll throw uh, Nathan Buckley into that mix under the Rattan um, Voss. Even though they went away for a long time, he's a coach going again, but he's chosen to go into the media. I think it would be too big a role and too much, uh, I don't like controversy, but uh, for a James Hurd to assume that, although he would be very, very, he is very good uh, with young players and has a great empathy and understanding with them. So, but can we forget the other stuff associated with the name James Hurd? Sadly, it would be um, a, a key part of uh, the media discussion. So there's four or five names that I think fit the pattern because I can't decide who is better and I, I haven't got the qualifications, who do you pick? Uze Carousella, Jan Syracuse, Kingsley, um, or or the boy from, oh, sorry, uh, Hanson, who's getting some really good raps. H- how do you put those five in a room and say, you're our man? You know, I just think um, they got sold the noble story based on the Fagan experience, mm. Right. And they got sold on the combination with Paul Ruse, the romance of Paul Ruse. You know, that Paul's disappeared. He disappeared over the summer and technically has left David Noble high and dry without any strong mentorship. Now, David Noble's fault is that um, his ego, let's call it ego, says, I don't need mentorship. I've been, and his key phrase, Ron, I've been round the block. You know, I've been in the game 30 years. I don't need that. Well, actually, you do, and you didn't listen, and you should have listened, and you should have embraced support and help because quite obviously the role became too much for you, one out. Like David did all the no, all the media, Rowan. Mm. There was very little sharing. Where was Brady Rawlings? They went and got Daniel McPherson as the head of football. I haven't heard an interview from Dave, from uh, Daniel McPherson. Oh, I have, he, to be fair, I have. You have? Sorry. Yeah, well, you yeah. watch it. You monitor it more than me, so apologies for that. But there's no doubt that David Noble wanted to carry uh, the media presence. He wanted mm. to control the message and agenda. So you know this field greater than me. It looks like he said, leave it with me. I'm experienced. I'll do the consistent messaging. It didn't yeah, well, work, Rowan. It didn't it, work. It's a good point about the Chris Fagan type experience, and that is sort of uh, administrative football department experience as well as coaching experience. I like the Buckley suggestion a lot 
the problem there is I'm pretty sure he's stated publicly he's not interested in coaching next year. Um, that can change, of course, if an offer's good enough. Um, but I, I think that's the sort of profile you probably need. You need someone pretty contemporary, someone perhaps closer in age to the playing group than a Ross line, uh, and that's no disrespect to him, and someone who I think has been seen to remake themselves as a personality and as a coaching personality. And Buckley, Well, Mark Williams has done exactly that, and you put the right people around him and let him be the, the, the culture setter. Um, I'm, I'm still, and, and you're saying he's old as me. You know, we're in our 60s, Rowan. Mm. So you're saying on, on that, he's, but his record is proven that he has great um, balance, empathy, and relationships with young players. They actually yep. love him. So yep. I, I, it's a big call, but you put the right people around him in their specific areas of skill and, I'm still a big push for what Mark Williams and his passion can bring to North Melbourne. Well, uh, stranger things have happened. We've seen, uh, you know, plenty of recent coaching appointments emerge totally out of left field. I mean, think back to or Chris Fagan, for example. Luke well, David Beveridge. Noble was. David yeah. Noble was totally out of left field. Well, Luke Beveridge, another one. I remember oh, when he yeah, got that thrown up, that came out of left field. So That was uh, fantastic, yeah. We'll watch this space and uh, see what direction they go in. But, um, yeah, there's certainly some different sort of styles and uh, profiles of coaches or prospective coaches that they can talk about. But... Huge decision, of course. North Melbourne not in a position where they can afford to get it wrong again. And uh, the bottom line is Lee Adams will be the fourth man to coach them uh, at senior level in four years. So not a position any footy club wants. Uh, all right, let's leave it there. Uh, one story dominating. Oh, just quickly, Rowan, gut feel. Give, give me your tip. Give me your... Oh. No, okay, don't. I'm going with Mark Williams. <laughs> I think Mark Williams would be perfect uh, for North Melbourne. All right. And, okay, I will. You, you've and been... I'll get howled down for obvious reasons. Yesterday's person, dinosaur. Um, I'm not sure whether Port Adelaide, Premiership, Richmond, he was engaged in a Premiership and then went to Melbourne, Premiership, means that he's out of the loop, a dinosaur, and yesterday's person. The evidence, to me, doesn't suggest that. All right, I will have a stab now. You've uh, you've enthused me enough about this idea. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Nathan Buckley. Uh, okay, I think they can appeal to his uh, professional pride and desire to uh, leave his coaching imprint on the AFL. Let's see how we go, mate. If you haven't already. Um, All right, that is enough news for this week. We've got nine games to preview. Let's do it. On Footyology, previews with Punch. Round 18 kicks off on Friday evening. Thursday night football is finished for, well, maybe not. Maybe we'll have a Thursday night final. We've had them before, but home and away games certainly finished for this season. So back to... One game on Fridays, five on Saturdays, three on Sundays, and a massive Friday night game at Marvel Stadium, 7.50pm. It is a virtual, six weeks out from finals or from the end of the home and away, a virtual elimination final, Western Bulldogs 
And St Kilda, what are the uh, bookies saying? Well, Palmer Bet, where you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season, thanks to Palmer Bet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. They have Western Bulldogs, who are the nominal home team. Uh, comfortable favourite head-to-head, $1.73. The doggies are paying. St Kilda paying $2.00. 15 history between these two. Uh, well, immediate history. The doggies not traveling that well. They've lost three of their last five games. All those losses to top eight teams, Geelong, and last two weeks comfortably to Brisbane and Sydney. Last time these sides met was back in round 10 last year. It ended up in a 111 point win to the Western Bulldogs, as Robert Shaw's mouth gapes open in disbelief. That is a long time ago, but uh, that was a shellacking. Uh, their records at this venue this year, the Bulldogs are 5-2 and two, and the Saints are 5-3. and three. So they both, as a rule, play this ground pretty well, but uh, both, uh, well, the Bulldogs really disappointing last fortnight and St Kilda really disappointing in that second half against Fremantle. Uh, Gee, they're both in a world of pain if they lose this one. What's going to happen here, do you think? Well, both teams were taken apart, weren't they? You've uh, you've summed that up very well. I think the the Saints uh, lost four of the last five, and uh, as you said, the Dogs are three from five, uh, three losses from five. So uh, 10th versus 9th, and basic, not basically or probably, it is an elimination final. Uh, uh, I favour the Western Bulldogs um, on more of a settled side at the moment. They're going to get Bailey Smith back. But to me, the interesting selection after, I think he came back, he got a spore spot, they left him out, he came back and he did pretty well last week. Um, The opportunity to bring in Josh Bruce. So for me... While St Kilda are looking maybe at a Mitch Owens or a, a Dara Joyce to go back to defence, maybe Daniel McKenzie to a half-back, um, on name alone, Rowan, the Western Bulldogs can add significant talent and depth to a side that's on paper is still a very, very good football side, but they just can't defend. They get cut up on the opposition's transition from the opposition's defence to the forward line and they have easy goals kicked on them. Now, if they can add Bailey Smith to the midfield, it just may be able to give them a few more variances in their midfield roles. And the one you highlight was Daniel uh, was uh, Marcus Bontempelli. How is his form actually going, Rowan? Yeah, not not that well. Uh, just on availability, Aaron Norton's got to come through a fitness test. He hurt a knee last week, so uh, that's a big one for them. Uh, you're right. Yeah, no, I think the midfield's struggling. It's reflected in their defensive um, profile at the moment. They are really struggling. They've conceded 100 yep. points plus three of their last four games, uh, including a victory, I should say. So... They're leaking like a sieve and they routinely get exploited by uh, teams with decent key forwards. Uh, Buddy last week kicked two five, could have been six or seven. Uh, Jeremy Cameron kicked six against him. Um, Kurnow and Mackay have uh, done a, a number on them. I think Mitch Lewis kicked four against them. I think Jack Darling kicked four against them. So... Uh, anyone with a bit of height tends to trouble them, which is a real worry. Uh, that said, 
There's something pretty ominous about St Kilda's uh, crumbling in the second half last week, which didn't augur well for the future, I thought. No, it's a fair point. They're heavy reliance on Brad Hill and Jack Sinclair behind the ball, uh, setting up play. They're both brilliant kicks of a football. So I'm very, very keen. With with Bailey Smith coming back, I don't think they've got Caleb Daniel back into that side. So uh, to me, the tactical interest is last week um, they were able to shut down Bailey Dale. I think he had uh, 12, uh, yeah, only about 12 possessions, Rowan. So they, uh, Sydney did a terrific uh, job on him uh, by using Ryan Clark. So is that something that St Kilda look at? Is that part of their DNA? Whereas uh, the Western Bulldogs have to really look at the attention of Brad Hill and Jack Sinclair because they will start um, the ball movement that so greatly affects the Western Bulldogs. Western Bulldogs can't defend ball movement off half-back, and St Kilda got the two the best of them. But in summary, I think the Western Bulldogs with Bailey Smith back and the possibly a Josh Bruth, if Norton plays, I think they've got too much depth. Both teams play very well at this ground. It suits their fast rebound style, but uh, it's the Western Bulldogs for me in a real close one, 11 points, Ron. Uh, I agree, and I'm going for the Western Bulldogs to win this one by 16 points, and that would put them level on nine wins with the Saints and, uh, yeah, make life really tough for St Kilda. All right, let's talk about Saturday. First game on the agenda on Saturday afternoon is at 1.45 Eastern Standard Time, Adelaide Oval, and it is between Adelaide and Collingwood. Palmer Bet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, they have the visitors as warm favourite in head-to-head betting. The home side, the Crows, paying $2.52 head-to-head. Collingwood paying $1.53. Now, uh, the Pies' record against the Crows is good. Collingwood have won their last five games against Adelaide and significantly four of those five wins have come at Adelaide Oval. Their last loss there was in 2016. Collingwood's overall record at Adelaide Oval is four and four, which means they didn't start off too well, but they've learned how to play that ground in recent times, and I think prior to those five wins, there was a draw at the MCG too. So you've got to go back six years to find the last time the Crows actually beat the Magpies. Uh, Pies are flying, had a bit of a close shave against North last week, but came home with a bang. Adelaide, uh, well, they're struggling and pretty poor last week against Hawthorne. How do you see this one, Robert? Well, they were. Just just obviously with Adelaide playing at home, you, you've just got to be wary of the pies. Um, there'll be no Taylor Adams in the midfield and um, it'll be interesting to see if Adelaide balance that by bringing back the experience, you know, using Crouch more into that midfield for them. Um, I am very keen to look at, as is everyone, look at the Darcy Moore situation. I think not only are fullbacks so hard to find and so important, which we threw through the industry, but it's often, and we look at the, the May, and I know it's been a consistent message from us all year, you look at the fullbacks, you know, how important they are. You look at the May lever. Fullbacks and back pockets and these key defenders, they work in as a team, Rowan. And 
um, while Howe and Murphy have had terrific years, um, if they're asked to be the Premier, you know, the Premier key defender, they can be exposed a little bit because they're not, they're not that big, Rowan. They're no, not that big. And you'd think, wouldn't you, the wouldn't you think the obvious candidate for more if he plays is Taylor Walker? I would have thought um that's fairly important to have him there for that purpose. Yeah, it depends. Well, generally Darcy takes the one closest to the goals, the most dangerous. I'm not sure. I think Tex gets up and around a little bit, so there will be some swap and change there. But uh, Howe and Murphy uh, a, a great combination. Um the other thing is, and I know this will be discussion further down the track, is Darcy Cameron one of the most improved players with opportunity in the competition? Not only is he more than adequate ruckman, he can go forward and kick one, two, three goals at a consistent level. And, of course, we have the Brody Grundy story that will evolve throughout the year. So I've been super impressed with Darcy Cameron in the first ruck. He's been terrific and uh, just on Grundy, still a fortnight away, they reckon, and uh, he's been out since Anzac Day. So who would have thought if you're without Grundy the bulk of the season, that wouldn't be, really hurt them. But uh, you're right. No, Cameron, probably one of the most improved players in the AFL. He's been fantastic for them. One of the uh, things you've got to, oh, sorry, quick, quickly on Collingwood. Um, one of the things you've got to look at now is they got out of jail. They got outplayed by the bottom side mm. and they found a way to win. Have they got that out of their system, Rowan, or mm. is that the start of um, – are they freshened up? Thank goodness we got away from that. We've learned a lesson. And does that kickstart them into the last six games of the year, or is it the first sign of maybe a little bit of a hiccup, a little bit of a stumble, remembering this team has won seven in a row and in any competition against any opposition, that's um, unusual in our comp, isn't it? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think that's a good point. You can have those games where you get a scare, and the uh, impact of that is as good as having the the shock loss and the wake up call. So maybe it's the best of both worlds. You get the wake up call, but you still emerge with the match points. So uh, I think there's every chance that might be the case for them. Just one more on availability, and it's an important one. Dugowie. Uh, set to miss a second game after straining a quad at training ahead of that game against North last week. Just a quick word on Adelaide. Uh, I don't know. Just uh, sometimes they impress me, and then I and then they seem to go backwards. And I, I thought we both tipped them last week. Uh, it's a ground they've played some decent footy at, but they were less than impressive. And the thing that really struck me, and I said this in our review show. Was the amount of time they go sideways? They just they they go everywhere except towards goals, and uh, I can see that being a, a real issue in this game as well. So disappointing for me, the Crows of late. And one thing Collingwood will do is they will go direct and quick, and it's really quite an interesting point you made because in Dawson and Brody and Smith off halfbacks wings. Um, they're great runners, and traditionally, they're great kicks of a footy and are attacking players. So it's quite confusing at times. Uh, we were up and about about Adelaide. They greatly disappointed us. Collingwood travel well. The loss of Dugowie, the continued loss and of Dugowie and Taylor Adams in the midfield just slightly concerns me, and um, I'm giving Adelaide... Uh, not half a chance, but a bit of a sniff here if, as you said, they play a direct, quick brand and put some pressure. But having said that, Collingwood travel well uh, traditionally. 
Their record's good, so I, I still think it'll be tight and 17 points for Collingwood. I'm going for the Pies too, around about the same margin. And yes, I, I think they, they do travel well historically and I'm a big believer in history. I think they'll keep that record intact. I'm going for the Pies by 20 points. All right, let's move on. There's two games on starting at 1.45 Eastern Standard Time this week. The second one of those is in Canberra at Marnica Oval and it sees GWS taking on Brisbane. Palmer bet where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly, having stalled the Lions, the away side, as a warm favourite in head-to-head betting. GWS offering $2.93 on the win head-to-head. Uh, Brisbane, $1.41. Now, Brisbane have never played at Marnica Oval previously. They have, however, won four of their last five clashes with GWS. The one loss, unfortunately for them, was a very significant one. It was that famous semi-final at the Gabba in 2019, which the Giants got up and won thanks to a last-minute slap, a slap, snap from little Brent Daniels. <laughs> Feels like he hasn't played since then. Um, Brisbane, uh, three and four over the last seven games. So uh, pretty ordinary form line for them. And, um, of course, racked with uh, unavailabilities due to COVID. And uh, I'm not sure that's going to be much different this week. Uh, I'm more on that in a moment. But uh, one other thing I need, a stat I need to tell you here, and it's significant, the home side here, GWS, well, Canberra might be their second home, but they don't necessarily play well there because they have lost their last five games at Marnica Oval, the Giants. You've got to go all the way back to 2019 to find the last time they even won a game there. So uh, how do you see this one, Robert? Well, this is the most intriguing game because actually, Rowan, we've got no idea. We've got COVID protocols. We've got uh, a, a very, very insipid performance from GWS last week where they kicked 311. We don't know. We we, we know that uh, it'll be a close look at Rich Zorko and Berry. Well, stop well, there. Stop there. Yeah. Let's go through the, what we do know so Well, we've got an hour, have we, to go through all that? Well, I'll do it quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Caden Coleman, Callum Archie, Dan McStay and Harris Andrews all come out of health and safety protocols. Four ins. Uh, right. Andrews will become available just hours before the team flies <laughs> south. But <laughs> the latest casualties are Oscar McInerney, and Noah Answorth. So they go into health and safety protocols. Now, injuries. Uh, Zorko hamstring, Daniel Rich hamstring, nah. Jared Berry hamstring. Nah. Nah. Uh, all face fitness tests on Thursday, along with Jackson Pryor as a quad injury. Uh, potential return, Darcy Gardner, who's had that lung issue. And Reese Matheson pushing hard for selection. Right, go. Thought they should have played Reese Matheson. I think they their their hard edge was uh, lacking, and uh, I'm not taking anything away from Essendon because they're traditionally a not very good travelling team. But um, uh, it, it it was a witch's hat game, Rowan. There was no level of pressure, and 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 you've pointed out quite clearly there are concerns being raised about Brisbane. Their last month hasn't been great. And I'm I'm just saying that if GWS can get their act together, uh, the Gabba is in lockdown. Uh, they've been training in their own little groups. 
They've had to keep people away from the club. Um, and to me, it comes down to personnel. Uh, you've mentioned those blokes coming out of protocols. I think that GWS will bring in uh, Jake Riccardi into the forward line. Uh, Jacob Hopper's done enough in the uh, in the VFL competition. He's a class midfielder that needs to come in. And, of course, the big presence of the very inconsistent with injury and suspension, Braden Pruce, uh, adds some physicality to the side. So you're given the midfield depth, you're given the form, you're given the, um, the lack of stability and form of the Brisbane line teams. You balance that up with Mark McVeigh's first um, poor performance as a coach, so he's going to be stung like that. Knowing Mark's competitiveness, he'll have them ready to play. I think they've got a good enough team to beat the Brisbane Lions. And while I gave them a big chance last week and was let down badly, I'll stick with GWS in what is technically a boil over. But there are so, so many factors at play here, Rowan. I'm just going to go with uh, GWS by nine points. It is an absolute uh, throw a, a pin at a, a pin at a dartboard or donkey thingo, whatever you know what I mean. Pin um, the tail on the donkey. That's it. I'm, I'm mixing all my metaphors up. <laughs> been doing this with you too long. Um, <laughs> I, I, look, my instincts sort of say Brisbane. They're the better side. They nearly were able to conjure a win last week, but that was against Essendon. I think that's, the thing about yeah. GWS is they're pretty erratic but they don't tend to be shocking a couple of weeks in a row. And they, they were poor last week. I mean, what did, what did they end up with? Three, three goals? Uh, three eleven. Uh, you know, that's ordinary. I can see them wanting to make a statement this week and maybe on a crisp, you know, uh, winter Canberra Saturday afternoon, the conditions might be a, a little more favourable for them. Uh, their midfielders sort of get out and about. Uh, obviously, for Brisbane, massive stakes attached to the fitness of those key players, Rich and Zorko. But Berry's another one too. I mean, if the other two aren't to get up to lose Berry as well, would be catastrophic. And as Essendon proved last week with that job Jai Caldwell did on Lockie Neal, uh, yep. you know, with that little, um, with that amount of unavailability, if you're able to shut down Neal, you're half for you're three quarters of the way to winning the battle. So. I was initially thinking Brisbane, but I'm just it's it's too big a mountain to climb, I suspect. So I'm going for GWS as well. And uh my margin also similarly narrow. I'm going for the Giants by two points. All right, let's move on. Next cab off the rank on Saturday is the Twilight Game. It is at Marvel Stadium, 4:35 p.m. And it is between North Melbourne and Richmond. Palmer bet where you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Uh, remember to gamble responsibly, uh, as you'd expect, have Richmond a very hot favourite in head-to-head -head betting. The Tigers paying $1.11 North Melbourne, which has had a pretty tumultuous week, obviously, with the departure of David Noble as coach. The Roos, $6.70, although it's probably the shortest price they've had for some time. And that, of course, is on the back of a vastly improved effort against Collingwood last week. The bottom line, however, is that the Roos have now lost 14 games in a row. Their opponent has won seven of its last 10, of course, losing the unlosable 
last week against Gold Coast. But the, even the three losses in that 10-game sequence have all been narrow. Uh, they lost to the Swans by six points. They lost to Geelong by three points. And last week to Gold Coast by two points. Uh, Richmond against North. Well, they've won four of the last five against the Roos. Uh, the one misgiving about the Tigers in this instance would be the venue because they tend not to like playing at Docklands. Uh, Damien Hardwick famously saying publicly uh, their fans wouldn't turn out there. Richmond's record at Marvel Stadium is less than stellar. They have won only three <coughs> of the last nine games against the Tigers. How are you seeing this one? Well, this would be intriguing. There's a, there's a couple of uh, side acts here, and, of course, there's the reaction of the new coach. And one of the first things you should do is look at selection because there's sure to be a statement about how Patch Adams and his now new match committee see things as opposed to David Noble. Uh, a, a gut feeling is that Todd Goldstein, his position in the side will be respected and he will return to being the number one ruckman, the 300-gamer. The role of Jack Zebel, which I've been critical of, particularly when you are leading a young side, does he spend more time in the midfield? And, of course, will there be an acceptance of what was highlighted, the unacceptable level of, even though he's come out and defended himself, and good on him for standing up, but Jaden Stevens's uh, phys- lack of physicality at certain times in that game was exposed. Now, does that uh, manifest itself in a statement at the selection paper? So there's a lot of these things that usually happen, Ron, when a new coach comes into the system. How did Jaden Stevenson defend himself? I missed that one. I wasn't defended, but he fronted the doorstop. And he oh, looked okay. down the camera yeah. and 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 um, had a real good go at it. Okay. So he didn't run into his car, wind up the window, or pretend he was on the phone talking to his mother. Like Dustin Martin. Are you, are they you, all do that, yeah. Rowan. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, the old, no. I'm, I'm busy on the phone when it works for me in certain <laughs> circumstances <laughs> as well. Like when you ring me, Robert. No, <laughs> no I'm kidding. Um, uh, Richmond, uh, now, look like they... Uh, their personnel issues might be a bit better than first feared. So uh, Noah Bolter, hamstring test, um, but expected to play. Josh Gibkus, uh, who was sore last week, he's expected to play. Trent Cochin, uh, been out with that shoulder injury, he's expected to play. Nick Vlosten returns from suspension. Mm. Uh they're saying uh, Toby Nankervis even a chance to face North. Uh, Ivan Soldo is going to miss at least a week. And the other big outs, of course, Dusty Martin, probably one to two weeks with a hamstring. Tom Lynch hurt that hamstring early last week and uh, he's looking at least another two, if not three weeks on the sidelines. Have and you got Kane Lambert there, Rowan, I in front of you? I was just about Sorry. to say before you asked. Richmond, Richmond's most important player? Well, he's pretty important. I don't know about most, but he's no, pretty I know, important. You know what I mean, though. Some of these role players are critical. Yeah. So well, how's, he, how's he travelling? He's got Achilles and hip injuries <laughs> oh, no. in, in the wars. Uh, right and, and another two weeks away for Kane Lambert. But... Um, looking at Richmond's casualty list and thinking it could have been worse than it was. Look, we, we hear about the new coach bounce when when uh, a, a coach is replaced and the, 
But North are too far gone for that. They're not going to beat a Richmond side that's clinging on to eighth by a thread and has to keep winning. And after last week's slip-up, has no margin for error at all. I reckon Richmond's going to be severely pissed off by what happened last week and want to make a sizable point. And I reckon they're going to win comfortably. What do you think? I'm very interested. Uh, just a side, another side issue of the changing coach, uh, something to watch, Rowan, for both of us and for our punters. Uh, the body language, not necessarily the form, but more important, the body language and the intent of Taryn Thomas and Horn Francis is a real watch for me because that will send a, a very significant statement whichever way you want to look at that statement. And I think you know what I mean there. So I'm with you. I think the ins for Richmond are, are, are certainly positive. Uh, they would prefer to have a couple of others. It's a good watch on Nan Curvis, but I think with their – they were excellent last week, Rowan, in a phase of the game to be 40 points up and playing some brilliant football on the back of Rioli off half-back and Bolton, who was absolutely brilliant. I'm like you. I'm hoping for a reaction. I'm hoping that Patch Adams can get them up and going. And I'm hoping that we see Thomas and Horn Francis at one end of the scale and Goldstein and Zebel at the other end of the scale really have an impressive game. And I'm hoping that you will now give me your tip and margin. Uh, Tigerland, 41. All right. I'm going for Richmond by 42. Oh, come off it. No, no, I already had that written down before you said it. All right, <laughs> let's move to Saturday night and two absolute crackers. Well, this game should be a cracking contest at the MCG, 7.25pm Saturday evening. It is Carlton up against Geelong. Palmer bet where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Well, they've got the Cats, who are now on top of the ladder after that great win over Melbourne last week, as uh, yeah, a pretty decent favourite in head-to-head betting. Geelong paying $1.62. Carlton, $2.31. The Blues are paying head-to-head. Now, uh, some interesting dynamics between these two. Geelong have absolutely dominated Carlton most of this millennium, I would say. They have won 16 <laughs> out of 20 games against oh, the Blues since 2004. And the last time Carlton beat Geelong at the MCG was all the way back in 2010. But of late, both sides are handling this ground very well. The Cats have had their issues there in years past, but lately... It's a pretty happy hunting ground for them. They have won seven of their last eight games at the FCG, and the Blues go right there as well. They have won seven of their last ten games there. Uh, Injuries have been an issue for Carlton, but uh, the troops are slowly starting to come back, uh, Robert. They are on a high, the Blues. So are the Cats, though. How do you see this one? Uh, A massive clash transpiring. Well, both teams play particularly good brand of football, balance between defence and attack, excellent use of young players, and they made great use of their pre-season because both clubs have made significant improvement in areas they had to, Geelong with an influx of flexibility in their selection and also um, youth, and of course Carlton bedding down a far more consistent approach to both defence and attack, 
and uh, the introduction of some critical players through uh, through trades and drafting. Um, the Blues still won't get McGovern back yet. Uh, McDonald's out, and uh, they're very very fortunate to get Weetering back. So that's good. Let's uh, have yeah. some more news about uh, Carlton. Uh, Jack Martin, calf injury. Jack Nunes has got a corky. Matt Owey's calf. They all face fitness tests. Pitnet, uh, still another week away. Go on. I think they'll look closely at Ed Kerno. They they have a very good uh, balance in the midfield, but I think they can improve it with a, like an Ed Kerno coming off the bench in case of Guthrie or even even Atkins for Geelong is moving into taggable territory, mm. given the fact that Selwood and uh, Dangerfield, we spoke about this in our, our our review, how Geelong now no longer have a heavy reliance on them, which makes them even stronger. I think they're going to miss Tom Stewart particularly in this game with the with the the big the two big ones, but. Having said that, I've loved the form of De Conning at full back for Geelong and his matchup with Mackay and or Kurnow at particular times is going to be particularly important. They'd have Blitzarves on the other one, wouldn't they? A mobile big man? Well, I think they. the beauty of Blitzarves is he did a run with a tagging job last week. He can go to the wing. He can play full back probably as versatile as any player in the competition at, what, six foot five in the old scale. You can play wing. You can be our first ruck. You can actually tag as an on-baller. And if we're in a little bit of strife, can you please go and play full back? What a wonderful addition to any football team. Now, I've got an interesting one to throw up here in terms of selection for the Cats. You're, you're quite right. Tom Stewart obviously leaves a, a massive hole. But I reckon there's a really handy potential inclusion for Geelong. The big if will be, are they prepared to pay, play him after, I think, five games out? But Brandon Parfitt will be available after recovering from a broken hand. And I reckon against the Blues, just having that extra bit of run and pace for Geelong might be really important. I wouldn't be surprised if they did pick him straight away. Yeah, I thought that was a it's a good point because I thought this was a classic no change for the Cats. Keep it stable. Uh they're on a winner. There's obviously on a winner. I just think the Blues might be sharper. I think they uh, for for whatever that means, maybe that's why I'm hoping they bring in Kerno as an additional option in their midfield. Uh, they got great run, uh Dockett is important, Sard is critical. So another side that relies very, very heavily on terrific rebounds. So once again, these halfback flankers to me keep bobbing up and it's some sides uh, like Sydney put a lot of work into opposition running off halfback, others don't. So it's going to be interesting to see how Geelong adjusts to that, knowing how what a great year both of those boys have had. Um, my, my tip is, um, is going to be Carlton. Um, Midfield could get on top. Forward line without Tom Stewart. Uh, the De Conning boys are playing against each other. One will be in the first ruck, one will be at fullback. So that's worth watching. It's a great game not to miss. Um, I think the momentum uh, is with both clubs. Uh, the Blues, gee, they're going to fill the MCG. And I think it's, I think it's Carlton by 11 points. 
All right. Well, we differ on this one. I, I think the decisive factor here might well be uh, the time of this match because I think it's going to be a bit dewy and a bit slippery and greasy. And I think that will put a greater premium on physical strength. And I think Geelong is the stronger, more physical team. That's not to deny the inroads Carlton's made in that area under Michael Voss. But I think and if I didn't, if I did my homework like you did, I would have known that. Well, but I didn't. The game is at seven twenty-five. It's a great point you might raise, Ron. It's okay. a very good point. All right. Well, but I'm yeah. not changing my tip in any way, shape, or form. Good. You do that. You stick to your guns there. Uh, <laughs> no, look, line ball. But I, I do think that the uh, just a bit of greasy, uh, difficult ball handling might increase the premium on strength, and that for me says Geelong. But by whisker, I'm going for Geelong by six points. Uh, well, that's one great Saturday night game, but on the other side of the continent, there's another one. Optus Stadium in Perth is the venue for the other big Saturday night game, 7.30pm Eastern Standard Time. It's 5.30pm in Perth, of course. Uh, the odds for this one, head-to-head odds, thanks to Palmerbet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. They have the home side. As a comfortable favourite, Fremantle paying $1.56 head-to-head. And Sydney, you can get $2.44 on the Swans to beat the Dockers at Optus Stadium. Uh, Sydney won the last meeting between these two sides, but they have lost the previous three against the Dockers, all of which were at Optus Stadium. However, two of those three defeats were very narrow defeats, one by one point and the other one by just two points. Sydney at Optus Stadium is three and three. Uh, As for recent form, well, both sides coming off good wins. Fremantle outstanding in the second half at uh, Marvel Stadium against St Kilda last week. And Sydney uh, pretty dominant also at home against the Western Bulldogs. Pretty tough, always a trip to Perth. Uh, How do you see the Swans faring, Robert? Um, well, if they lose this game, they're seven. It's a third versus seven, so the motivation is through the roof for both teams. Frio to possibly um, finish in the top four, and if Sydney drop this game, they're in that that mix, aren't they, of those six teams fighting for two spots. So yep. I, I, I expect a typical Sydney uh, performance. Uh, they are capable of a great backs to the wall, even though they're a very good team and got very good players. But they're up against um, Fremantle at home, um, who have been tremendously imp- impressive. Um, they they uh, they get a few players back, don't they, Fremantle? I think they get uh, – Akers has had a pretty good year on the wing, so he might come into uh, consideration. And yeah, of course, well, let's talk about sorry. that. So, well, Alex Pierce was a late – Oh, he's the one. Tightness, but he's, yeah, he's expected back. to play. Critical. And, and Blake Akers, who was playing fantastic footy before he hurt his hamstring, he is also expected to return. So good selection news for the Dockers. Uh, this week's uh, discussion will be around the ruck, whether uh, uh, Sydney decide how they're going to attack uh, Darcy and Lobb, which will be a critical tactical discussion. Amati was great last week coming in for Logan McDonald and it pushed Reed out to... Uh, 
to do a great job in the ruck. He's not a natural ruck, but he's athletic. And but I think they need him inside fifty uh, to work with the three. I think you need three targets. We know Franklin will roam. Amati marked the ball very well, and you'll also have Reed close to goal. So I reckon they'll go back to Tom Hickey versus uh, Sean Darcy. Well, Tom, this, but, yeah. Tom Tom Hickey's had illness, but uh, he's got to prove his fitness. But I think more likely than not to play. Peter Adams, incidentally, broke his thumb in that game last week. He's looking at three weeks on the sidelines. Hey, Ron. Uh, yeah. Would you bring in Josh Kennedy in this game? Uh, I think he's a fair he's a test. No, I wouldn't. I think it's too big a ground. I think I'd be yeah. bring, bringing him in on the SCG. A lot anywhere. of discussion. Yeah, good point. Uh, keep him another week. And uh, oh, we haven't got who they play next week, which, but it doesn't matter. Um, so given all that, um, Brayshaw is in magnificent form. I'm not sure they're going to put Ryan Clark uh, sorry, yeah, Ryan Clark in the middle as a midfield tagger. So maybe his position as the, you know, the defensive forward comes into, I remember he did a great job and they dropped him and then brought him back when there was a late change last week. So I'm not sure the role of Ryan Clark, although I think he's been fantastic for them. Um, Fife will cons- will definitely give Sydney some issues because he was amazingly quiet with four possessions in the first half, went into the midfield fresh and turned the game. Um, all I've got to go on here is uh, the respect I have for Sydney, but the home ground. I'm just going to go on an old, old thing, Rowan, the home What's ground that? advantage and Fremantle by uh, – 11 points is very popular with me. I think I've gone 11 points for about three teams. So I'll say Fremantle by 13 points at home. Well, the home ground advantage, uh, not to be snoozed at when it comes to Perth, it's pretty significant indeed. And uh, look, the Swans record, I did say it's three and three at Optus Stadium. Uh, Look, I I rate the Swans, as you know. I like the brand of footy they play. I think normally... Uh, they're well, normally I think they are suited to the bigger grounds of which this is one, but I don't know. Gee, Fremantle so impressive last week. They're at home. And as you say, there's a magnificent opportunity for them just beckoning here. And it's not just tying up a spot in the top four. It's a possibility going top two, because as it stands now, they are level with Geelong and Melbourne on 12 wins and four losses. Fremantle get a top two spot and a home final first up. You're looking at home final, home qualifying final, home preliminary final, and just one road trip, and that's on grand final day. So um, the chance for them to finish top two is massive, and it means that they need to make every post a winner. Uh, I'm going to go with the Dockers here. Ordinarily, I think this is the sort of game where I'd probably put my faith in the Swans. But Correct. Fremantle, well, they've, they've won me over again, so don't stuff it up, Dockers. <laughs> uh, I'm going for Fremantle to win, but again, a narrow margin. I'm going for my third single-digit margin of the round, in this case, Fremantle by four points. All right, two massive Saturday night games. Should be crackers both. Uh, let's move on to Sunday. First game on Sunday is at the MCG, 1.10pm. It is Hawthorne up against West Coast. 
Palmer bet where you get tackle busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Have the Hawks, who were good winners last week against Adelaide, warm favourites in head to head betting. The Hawks offering a dollar twenty seven West Coast three dollars eighty two. You can get on the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles do have a good recent record against Hawthorne. They've won four of the last five clashes with the Hawks. However, their recent record at the MCG, not very good. In fact, it's the mirror image of that. They have lost four of their last five appearances at the MCG, most recently just two weeks ago against Richmond when uh, 35 points, I think, was the margin of defeat in that one. Uh, Got some injuries to run through, but just have a nibble at this one first, Robert. Yeah, I'm expecting, a, a, and, and it's quite an unusual word for Hawthorne, I'm expecting a um, a consistent for performance from them. I think um, McAvoy coming back into the side has, um, uh, and his uh, his work with Reeves has allowed them to spread the, de- the defensive oppositions with his height out of the forward pocket. Um, I'm focused on the forward line of the West Coast Eagles versus the back line. I think there's been a return to some stability. Uh, Scrimshaw and Giath off half-back flank have uh, added a great dimension. Scrimshaw's kicking and CJ's run and pace, and they balance that with uh, Sicily's role at full-back. Now, they're up against Darling, Kennedy, Ryan, Rioli, and I'm led to believe that Cripps has come into the uh, consideration to come back in. That's a very good forward line of uh, the West Coast Eagles. Let's uh, just talk quickly about Hawthorne player availability. They've had some decent players ruled out for the rest of the season in James Warpool, who has a shoulder injury, and Lockie Bramble, who has a back injury. So both ruled out for the rest of the year. Um, the other one who we may not see again this season is Chad Wingard. He's running out of time to play again after uh, injuring a hamstring recently at training. And uh, while we're talking injuries, of course, the Eagles' injury list all year has been massive. It's starting to reduce in size now, but the same names are on it. Oscar Allen been there all year, foot injury. Uh, Tom Cole been there most of the year, ankle injury. Uh, Petrocelli, or geez, quick, he's got a hamstring injury, and uh, that's a, a bit of yeah. a joke. Finey and I used to had, uh, no. but hey, you won't see him this week. Elliot Yo, hamstring injury, uh, that was a pretty serious one. He's hoping he can come back, but I'm sort of thinking, why would they bother? And the other one who I reckon is looking increasingly like we won't see again for them this season is Jeremy McGovern, who had a pretty serious rib injury spent some time in hospital and uh, they're saying now a return this season appears highly unlikely. So it's been that sort of year for the Eagles. Go on. I just think uh, one thing I'd like to finish off with that, uh, that that's the intriguing area of the ground that I'm looking for, a very balanced and structured uh, and settled uh, Hawthorne back line. I'm really looking forward to the Hardwick Rioli duel. I think that, uh, that will be something, given his capacity to shut down players. Uh, he did a great job on Toby Green. So that'll be one I'm looking for. Um, I, Nat Nui's back in, so he's going to be up against the two Ruckman. They'll be able to throw McAvoy and Reeves at him. Uh, hopefully, we uh, after a very sad week, uh, we get 
uh, Jack Gunston considered to come back in, but obviously that's a personal and a family issue for Jack, but that would be a great in for Hawthorne. I'm tipping Hawthorne quite comfortably by 27 points. 27 points. Uh, look, West Coast playing better football, no doubt about that, and they kept Carlton honest for quite some time last Sunday, but the Blues obviously exploded in that uh, final quarter and blew that margin out to 10 goals plus. Was that reflective of the game? Not necessarily, but oh, I don't know. It's just not much motivation for the Eagles to perform in this one, I think, uh, and uh, they're missing some decent players, as they have all year, and Hawthorne. Um, they'd be looking to build some winning momentum at least and um, uh, draw a, a more positive conclusion to what has been uh, at times an up and down season for them. So they'll just outrun them, Ron. They'll be too quick. All right, I'll take your word for it. I'm going for you. Want two goes at this, do you? Do I get to give my tip? I'm no, going. No. Oh, okay, all right. Well, yours is not necessary because I've given the winner and the margin. So if you be my guest, go ahead. Oh, all right, I'm beating you by about seven tips. I might add at this point. <laughs> All right, I'm going for Hawthorne comfortably as well. I'm going to go for the Hawks by 32 points. All right, that is the first game on Sunday. Let's talk about the one mid-afternoon. Sunday afternoon, 3.20 sees AFL football return to the heart of the country in Alice Springs. Tregear Park is the venue for Melbourne's home game against Port Adelaide. Palmer Bet are betting on it as they bet on every AFL game. You can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season thanks to Palmer Bet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. And the Demons, who have played quite a bit at uh, in the Alice uh, over the years now, they are comfortable favourites in head-to-head betting, paying $1.40. Port Adelaide offering $2.90. Head to head, Melbourne against Port Adelaide. How do they shape up? Well, the Demons have won the last couple against the Power, but been a massive struggle for them prior to that. They had lost 10 of the previous 12 meetings prior to those two wins against Port Adelaide. Uh, Melbourne at Tregear Park in Alice Springs. Their record there is three and four. Interestingly, Port Adelaide. They have played there three times, all against Melbourne, and they have won all three clashes. But significantly, when Melbourne were a much lesser side than they have become over the last few years, under Simon Goodwin, um, Clayton Oliver has got a thumb injury. Uh, They're holding out hope that he may be available for this game, but looking less likely than likely. So that's a fairly significant potential out for the Demons. Uh, as for the power, well, they're, they're still hanging in there in terms of the finals. Lockie Jones has a hamstring injury. He'll be assessed, uh, recovering well from a hamstring injury, though. Uh, defenders, Trent McKenzie, he's been ill, and Riley Bonner has a cheekbone injury, have both been cleared to play. So some important rebound there off halfback for the power available in that pair. Uh, The venue makes it interesting, Robert. Uh, Melbourne uh, beaten by Geelong last week. They've lost four now in the past uh, five games. And Port Adelaide, well, they just won't go away. How do you see this one? And they're not going to go away in the central desert, the red heart. 
Thank you to Peter Garrett. But um, do, 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 do. <laughs> Clayton Oliver, yeah, I think he should. He, he could miss or he should miss or he will miss. It doesn't matter. Take your pick, folks. And a like-for-like selection would be Dunstan into that middle uh, who's uh, always seems to come in automatically when there's a midfield replacement required. Melbourne forward line's a problem here for me. Will Sam Wiedemann replace Ben Brown? Can they use Luke Jackson in the ruck more? Uh, remembering Max Gorn went through a purple patch last year of kicking goals, in the, but uh, hasn't returned to either the Max Gorn rucking form or his goal-kicking form. There might be some adjustment in their forward line because they will come up um, against a very settled and in form. I like when teams have got settled and in form uh, defences. Burton, um, Alir Alir, Jonas, Burn Jones, and will Port Adelaide uh, go away from what's been what was a interesting selection to use Finlayson as the first ruck and go for the more experienced and seasoned Lysette? Well, that's if he's interesting. Available, Rowan. Well, I think he is available. He had uh, thirteen hitouts and five clearances in the Sandful last week. Uh, that's a really good point, though, isn't it? Because Finlayson's been working out well. Maybe they play both uh, Lyset and Finlayson. Yeah, the expense of a runner in the in the in the warmer conditions. I um, uh, they're in. They're okay. Like, what was Melbourne's record? Did you say, Rowan? They've lost four out of the last five. I've got them. Was that what you said at the top of the uh, preview? I did. Was that incorrect? I don't know. I, I had them down <laughs> winning, winning uh, two out of the last five. So uh, their form's a bit wobbly. You're right. They have- You're right. You're right. I forgot the uh, – so they beat Brisbane and they beat Adelaide. So they've won uh, four of the last six. Um, this goal they kicking – lost four of the last six. Oh, wow. This goal kicking worries me and uh, I think uh, – yeah – I'll start again. The Lyset Finlayson is going to be critical because it will cost them a, a versatile sort of player, and I think they'd be happy with Marshall and Georgiades up forward uh, with Finlayson pushing forward. That could worry Melbourne. Um, it's hard to go away from Melbourne in this one, but Clayton Oliver's a significant out given that Butters, Rosie and Pal Pepper are in excellent form. You throw in Wines and, and Boke, there is a, there's half a chance here that Port Adelaide could actually get on top in the midfield and providing they move the ball quickly to what I think is a, a pretty exciting forward line for them, defend well and deny an inconsistent forward line of Melbourne, the ball. So the, the pressure to me is on Melbourne to come up with a, a formula in the front half of the ground to cover Oliver and also to get more value out of Max Gorn and get back in into form. Given all that, I'm going for the continuation of the wobbly part of the season for Melbourne. Not that I don't respect them. I just think Port are on the hunt. They're settled. They're playing a good brand of football. And uh, I'm going to go for an upset in the Alice uh, because it's not Redfern. There's Redfern... Yeah, right. They're playing it. This is not the Buckingham Palace. Palace. This is not the Buckingham Palace. This is Alice Springs. Thank you, Ron, for supporting me in um, that little whatever it's called. And uh, Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide by seventeen points. 
When you say supporting me in whatever it's called, well, what you are, came in well. It's what, a dual lack roll. It's the Abbott and Costello. It's um, um, Sergeant O'Rourke and Randolph Agarn. And may I say that commiserations to the Agarn family. We lost uh, Corporal Randolph Agarn. Uh, during the week. And for those people that don't understand one word of what I was saying, you had to be in the vicinity of my age and Rowan's age and watch the ABC at 6.05, Monday to Friday, to watch F Troop. And then you'll understand the beauty of the man that was Corporal Radar Randolph Agarn, rest in peace. All right, first of all, don't put me in your age bracket. No, but in, in experience. Yeah, yeah, I got it, I got you it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And secondly, I won't say age bracket, experience bracket. Secondly, I know we're at that age now where we we just assume people are familiar with what we're thinking, but when you talk about me coming in and supporting you, we were quoting lyrics from the Midnight Oil song Warrakerna off yeah. the Diesel and Dust album. So you just. How many do you reckon our listeners have watched F Troop, Rowan? Oh, about two percent, probably. Even I, I didn't. Even I didn't watch it. You didn't watch F Troop, nah. As a young fella, nah, mate. All right. No, I'm trying to think what I was watching. I was on about five. I was probably watching Get Smart on one of the commercial channels. F Troop was on the ABC. They're correct at five past yeah. six. All right. Anyway, um, well done. Okay, uh, port, so sorry. What port did I say? Port, Seventeen I points. Seventeen points. All right. Now you're a brave tipster. I'll give I you concede that. it's a uh, it's a boil over. Yeah. But Stop. All, all we can do is um Robert, you're rubbing your hands together in front of the microphone. Everyone can hear you doing it. I'm that it. excited to tip. Okay, do tip it again. Up. I'll just do it again now. I want Okay. That's I'm what that excited rubbing to tip the uh the underdog Robert, here. Settle down. Settle down, Robert. What did Palmer Bit say, Rowan? Two dollars uh, one? Palmerbit said, <laughs> "Come on, we lost the plot." Uh, they this said, one. "No, you've lost it." They said two dollars ninety for Port Adelaide and a dollar forty for Melbourne. I'm sticking with the demons, but I think it'll be close. I'm going for Melbourne by ten points. All right, let's well get to the final game of this round before this goes right off the rails. Final game of round eighteen, Marvel Stadium at four forty p.m. and it brings together. A side which has won three of its last four games, he said with vague surprise, because that side would be the Essendon Football Club. They are up against Gold Coast, which, like Port Adelaide, clings to its finals dream after a miraculous comeback win over Richmond at Metricon Stadium last Saturday, arguably the finest moment in Gold Coast not-too-storied history. No, I shouldn't make fun of them because it was a wonderful win by them. Palmer bet where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. They do have Gold Coast as favourite, despite the away status. Gold Coast paying head-to-head $1.77. Essendon head-to-head, you can get $2.10 on the Bombers. How do the Suns go against the Bombers? Well, not too well overall. They have played 12 times. Gold Coast have won just two of them. There's been another draw. Essendon have won the other nine. How did Gold Coast go at Marvel Stadium? Not too flash. They've played there 28 times and they've only won seven. They've lost the other 21. They did have a couple of good wins there last year, however. One over Richmond and the other one against Carlton. They have appeared there just once this year. 
uh, earlier in the season. And they weren't too shabby, to be honest, before going down to St Kilda by, I think, 26 points. Well, uh, they're staying alive in that hunt for their first ever finals spot, Robert. Can they stay alive another week? Well, that'll depend on Redmond. Three names, Rowan, I'm going to give you that you can have a quick look there on the injury list. Uh, Redmond was protocols, wasn't he? So he's an automatic selection. Perkins has missed two games. It puts him into the, uh, are you ready to come back and does he come straight back in? Well, on form and ability, he certainly does. And I guess the uh, situation with uh, uh, Parrish is still out. He was going to be a four-weeker, wasn't he? The possibility to get Perkins and Redmond back is very important for Essendon. Um, I, I'm really up and about about Essendon for the wrong reasons. Once the pressure's off and they can't, you understand? Yeah. It's a, it's a theme that's gone through the uh, the analysers on TV and radio that once the pressure's off, Essendon played a relaxed brand of football. They seem to be comfortable and they're playing well. They've actually beaten, done something they haven't done for uh, for years and that is beaten teams that are in finals contention, including some very good wins. This is reminiscent of 2018 where they won uh, two of their first eight and blew their finals hopes to shreds and then finished the season very strongly. Everyone got built up for the next year and then it happened again. Although, to be fair, they did make finals in 2019. But you're right. And uh, as an Essendon person, it makes you even more frustrated because why the hell weren't they doing this from the start, I don't know. I don't know if that was a very meritorious win over Brisbane, given all that. I know it was at the Gabba, but Brisbane had half a side out, and they still only, still nearly managed to blow it. Yeah, they did. And um, look, uh, look, I'll, I'll just focus on that. Look, if Richmond, despite their great inconsistencies and the competitiveness and the persistence of Gold Coast, you've got to remember that Richmond blew this team out of the way with pace and run early. Right, there's two phases to this game. Richmond's 40 point lead was based on run and spread and pace. And Essendon at Marvel Stadium will give Gold Coast every little bit of this. I expect Gold Coast to be competitive in contested ball and, and win clearances and being strong and direct. And in uh, in Chole and Casbolt, they have two legitimate targets. You reckon Peter Wright's in good form? Well, this is his favourite ground. This is his home ground. So that match his old side too. Against his old side. And his matchup with Collins is going to be critical. Um I'm not underestimating Gold Coast, but they it's it's like the reverse to what Collingwood face. You know, got away with the win. They both got oh no, they both got away with the win where they didn't look like it. Is there a factor travelling coming down to Essendon's favourite venue? Um, I don't think there'll be too many changes apart from Redmond. So they're going to be balanced. Essendon, they're confident, which is also a telltale sign for Essendon. They tend to get, as you said, they tend to get confident, feeling good, settled and start to play good football when it's far too late. One very big in for Gold Coast, which we need to mention, that is Isaac Rankin, who missed last week due to health and safety protocols. So he's available, as indeed is Oleg Markov. Does that change your tip at all? Uh, no. I'll, I'm going to stick with with Essendon, uh, understanding this is the Gold Coast. Uh, they're in desperation stakes every week, aren't they? They're in must-win. Um 
I, I just think this Marvel Stadium pace run comfort uh, suits Essendon, and I've got them by seven points in a somewhat of a boil over, according to the odds, but to me, not necessarily. Well, 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 I am, uh, as you know, I'm a very conservative tipster, but I am going for the boil over as well here. And uh, brace yourself, Essendon fans, you don't want me tipping them, never a good sign. <laughs> but I am tipping them as well because I think they are expert, Robert, at getting these meaningless late-season wins when the pressure is off, building everyone's hopes and expectations up and then routinely disappointing them again the following year. That is the Essendon we know and don't love. And uh, it's uh, a methodology they're pursuing very effectively in the back half of 2022. I think they can do it again. And uh, I think you're right. I think you've got to remember for the bulk of that game last week, Richmond were very comfortably beating Gold Coast. Uh, I think the pressure of having to win week after week does end up taking a toll. And uh, Essendon might play with a freedom that the Suns can't afford to have in their current state. So I too am going for Essendon to win and I'm going for them to win by eight points, which is the fourth single figure margin I've gone with in this round. So just having a look, we are tipping differently in three games uh, this week, Robert. I've got the Cats, you've got the Blues, I've got the Demons, you've got the Power, and uh, no, in fact, it's just two games. Two, just a two, differently mate. Yep. At, um, and that's okay. That means whatever happens, I will maintain my still comfortable lead over you in the tipping because that's <laughs> so important. Uh, all right, that is it for this round. And as usual, we are proudly – oh, good, you didn't chip in and say see you later. Uh, we are proudly brought to you by Palmerbet. Get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season, thanks to Palmerbet. They really are – they have been fantastic supporters of this podcast. So uh, support them by wagering with them if you are – so inclined to have a wager. And of course, if you are inclined to have a wager, make sure that you always, and we're not taking the, you know what, we absolutely mean it, make sure you gamble responsibly. You can support this podcast at the ACAST supporter page, wherever you listen to this podcast, you should find a link there in the show description. And you can also, and uh, we'd be very appreciative if you did become an official footyology patron. We are asking for $7 Australian per month and it helps keep this whole operation ticking over. That is website, podcasts, live streams, uh, you name it, it helps pay the bills. So become an official footyology patron and those links are thanks to Patreon, a wonderful platform supporting independent media and writing talent. The links are all over the Footyology website, footyology.com.au. Just quickly, too, a really good piece, uh, which has just gone up on the Footyology site today, I need to tell you about, and that is by Ian Wilson, a former VFA premiership player with Werribee, and uh, in the light of the David Noble departure from North Melbourne, Ian has written a... A very compelling piece about his unhappy experiences coaching 
in Tasmania, Robert, in 2005 and 2006. I had a skim read and I'm well aware of that. And um, so I'm going to go back in great detail. It's, uh, yeah, really, folks, seriously, worth a a read. He's he's written it quite well, quite beautifully. He writes quite a lot for footyology, does Ian Wilson. And uh, I remember watching him as a player. In fact, I saw him play in the... 1993 premiership with Werribee alongside uh, Donald McDonald, uh, as a matter of fact, who was he might have been captain coach. Uh, anyway, uh, I digress. That was uh, what was that game against Port Melbourne, where it was a Donny Brook out in the ground and Jack Aziz was boxing on with spectators and David King playing for Port Melbourne. I think he got willingly embroiled as well. Anyway, it's a very good piece, so make sure you check it out on Footyology. And when you check it out, Become a Footyology patron as well. Okay, thanks for your company, everyone. Should be a great weekend of footy. Enjoy it. And uh, Robert, we'll be back on Sunday evening to wrap it all up. Thanks, Ron. We'll see you then.